0: And I gotta tell you, I'm a little concerned about PHP ugly because I think this is two shows we've gone now where we've actually talked about all development stuff, and I'm gonna have to try to find something funny in there to post at the beginning of the show because it's getting harder and harder to do. <laughs> we're getting yeah.
1: we're getting too serious.
2: Yeah, we should These we are can bummers. drum up some drum up some drama to talk about next week.
1: You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast, episode 10, recorded Saturday, May 14th, 2016. Today we discuss breaking up with a client, Laravel News becoming the official blog for Laravel, GitHub's new pricing model, a big JetBrains security update, our workflows, and is the PHP fig really breaking up? Let's get started.
2: Hey, John, how's it going? Great, Tom, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. So what are we up to today?
0: <laughs> why why do I show up? I mean, why do I make the drive to get to the office, <laughs> to get to the studio, to talk to you guys? I get no respect. Why do I do this? I do I know, put know. myself through this. You love us. How are you guys doing?
2: I'm ah, doing pretty good.
1: Excellent.
0: What do we got to talk about this week?
1: Let's talk about us first. That's, what I, that's my favorite subject right there. For the first time, I feel like we've made it in business when you have to actually break up with a client.
0: Oh, yeah. We're going to air dirty laundry, are we? Why not? <laughs> that's the fun stuff.
1: So I've heard about it from other podcasts, other developers, and never had the experience of having a client that you just don't want to work with. And we reached that pinnacle today. Or not today, this week. Really? Yeah. We we had a client. I we had a call scheduled. I wanted to, to demo what we had done so far. And before I could say a word, this guy gets on the phone and the way he talked to me, I wanted to I wanted to just tell him go F yourself right then and there. But I I heard him out, tried to be calm through the whole thing, which was not easy to do. Told him, I'm like, you haven't even given me a chance to demo what we've done so far. And it probably took a good 15 minutes of him just mouthing off to where he finally said, all right, all right, I'll be quiet for five minutes and let you show me what you've got. I'm like, no, at this point, you've me, given me a list of what you want done. I'll just go do it. I have no point in, in demoing this for you right now. And it just, it was bad. So after I got off that, that phone call with him, Talk to Eric. I'm like, let's we we have to just drop this. Like it's yeah. it's pointless at this point.
0: Hmm. Well, and and there's more to the story too. It, it's yeah. We we had been giving them demos, uh, not this, not the the head the client who was actually paying us, but his staff. We'd been giving demos, getting feedback from them mm-hmm. for a couple weeks, and it was just getting to be a bad situation where we felt like we've we had already overextended what we were willing to put towards the project as far as resources compared to what we were getting compensated for and you know just out of this uh conversation that John had had with the client it was apparent to us that we were going to continue to extend our input compared to our compensation and there was just if we had already worked this long with them, had gotten this feedback from the staff, and then turned out that we were still this far behind when it bubbled up to him, there was just no way that was going to change. And, yeah, so we we had to make a decision on whether or not we wanted to continue down that path.
2: Yeah, there's there's a little, only so much stress that you can put yourself through for a client. I mean... Right.
0: Yeah, but and, it, and it's weird because it's like there's the part of you. We we've recently been in another situation where we've had to walk away from potential contracts, not potential contracts. We we've had to walk away from contracts where people have wanted to do business with us, and we've simply said we just don't have the resources right now to take on this project. We're tapped out. We're we're fully booked. There's only, the the only so many
2: man hours in a month. Do you ever want to yeah, just see- tell them the truth and be like, "We we totally have the resources, and we just don't want nothing to do with you"?
0: <laughs> well, that was the case for this the, this one that we 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 broke up with, but the the others that wasn't the case. And those are hard because it's like you're leaving money out there. It's like these people want to give you money to do stuff that you love doing, mm. and you're telling them, "No, no, no, I'm too busy. I don't I don't want your money." <laughs> And it's it's tough because it's like oh, there's got to be a way, and and there is a way if if you're willing to maybe cut back on the quality of work.
1: Bring bring on junior people to to do yeah. the work or people new to the field. But right. but cutting off an existing contract that was a just a a new thing for for us.
2: Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> Did you did you get emotional? Was this like like a regular breakup where it's not you, it's it's me? It's
0: We're still stalking him on you. Facebook.
1: <laughs>
2: no, but Check, after I wrote the, new the dev team,
1: after I wrote the mess the email to him to say, hey, I, I just don't think this is going to be a good fit. Uh, I started doing some research, and there's all those types of emails out there or pre-written scripts for how to break up with a, a client, and one of them is it's me, not you. <laughs> Those types. Because <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like a breakup. But the, the question I have for other people in this situation, have you refunded money to the client? Or do you just say, you know, you've paid us for our oh. time to this point. Here's what we've done and give it to them, like give them the code or just, you know, refund.
2: Yeah, that is a good question. I mean,
0: well, let me let me ask you what well, I I know what we did. What what would you do in that situation, Thomas? Uh,
2: I I think if we were in a situation where I had to break up with a client where it was really their you know, a problem with them, I I don't think I'd issue a refund. I'd say, here's all your source code. Here's you know, right. if, if I was unable to live up to a, a commitment that I had made, sure. You know, refund of course. Work not done, whatever. But if if the client has made it such a nightmare to to work with,
0: well, but understand that point of view. They don't they don't see it that way. They don't they don't think they've made it a nightmare. They think they they've and, and that that was actually another mm-hmm. uh, another part of the story that I, I'm not sure if how much you want to get into, but how they were paying us based on the schedule that they were supposed to pay us. It started was, out
1: bad what Eric was just alluding to. I sent this client their very first invoice and they refused to pay it because they hadn't seen progress. And I was like, but everything we've done so far is back-end work. You know, getting things set up, whatever. So I scrambled to get something just stupid put together for front-end just so they could see progress and pay their invoice. I had then done a couple of demos with them after that. So there was definitely a ton of progress from the first demo to my second invoice. And again, I was refused to be paid until they saw progress. And I'm like, but you saw progress. And that's when we got on this phone call and ended up parting ways.
2: So how long had they been a client for before we... Not long.
0: I think, what, was it a a month and a half, two months?
2: Month and a half, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, very new yeah. in in the scope of our current workload, a small client. Yeah,
1: very small. So it was not that big of a deal to to drop them, but it's still not not something I want to do. Like I don't want them finding another development firm and then bad mouthing us because we didn't want to work with them.
0: Right, and we and we also made the decision to refund the money, which hurts us because the developer we paid to work on that isn't going to refund us. Oh, they're not? His money. I thought we were new to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how it works. In the real world, John, people keep the money you send them. <laughs> but yeah, we, we just thought it would be easier. Since we were still so new in the contract, we just had decided it'd be worth probably a lot less headache if we just refund the invoice that they did pay. And, you know, we essentially ate that cost. Yeah.
1: So, it was six weeks because we, we invoiced after the first two weeks. Sent the second invoice two weeks later. So, that's four weeks in. And they didn't pay for two weeks. That's when everything started coming up. Being like, hey, you haven't paid this invoice. Mm. So.
0: And for for me, it's... The money is one thing. Yeah. Obviously, the money is a big deal. But... The thing that really frustrates me is the time that the developers spent on that project, we have other projects they could have been working on. exactly. (laughs) And that that I won't get back. I mean, even if we didn't send them back the money, I won't get back that time that I could have had those developers working on bigger projects. Sure.
1: Well, this was a fun vent session.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. That client,
1: Rachel Maddow. What's going on in the other parts of the world <laughs> outside You'll of here?
2: Something interesting happened. Uh, Laravel News issued a, a blog post that stated that they were now the official blog for Laravel.
0: Now, is this like did they just like you know pee on the bush and call it theirs, or now, is this like see that's the Did question. this come down from Taylor? Does
2: <laughs> this mean that we're now the official Laravel podcast? Well, no, because there is
0: an official Laravel podcast.
2: Did the official Laravel podcast that's out there get permission as well? Or could we just start declaring ourselves the official? Or could we take other projects? Like, is there an official symphony podcast?
0: (laughs) So there's there's two, two aspects about the official Laravel podcast. One... Taylor's on one of them, so I think that that kind of makes <laughs> exactly. it pretty official. The second is the second Laravel podcast is the Laravel News podcast, which is the official Laravel blog, apparently. <laughs> so we're like pretty uh, down, pretty far down the chain there.
2: <laughs> do we have an official podcast for our Laravel meetup? I, I believe this could be the official podcast for our Laravel I, meetup. I just want to be official. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> I cra I crave status.
1: Well, I think we are the official ugly podcast.
2: Yeah. The question I had
0: about it is the Laraville news site is a site. I mean it's not it's all about Laraville, but it's not a blog about Laravel. It's it's stuff it's packages, it's things people are doing. It's not Laraville blogging about this stuff. I I'm a little confused by that. It's like okay, are you going to remove the news? I think it's the official news site for the product of Laravel. But it says it's the official blog. So is that saying, if Laravel has something to talk about, this is where it's going to be? So it's, it's not that its only role is as the Laravel blog moving forward. It's just saying, hey, if we have something official to post... We're gonna po- post it on Laravel News. Otherwise, Laravel News is gonna to continue to be Laravel News and continue to be a, a steady stream of information about the, all things Laravel.
2: Sure. Okay. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not really taking it as as a vast conspiracy of any kind. I think it'll just still be Laravel News. But no. Somehow. Being... I'm
0: not. I'm not taking it as a conspiracy as well. I was just wondering if Laravel so, News was going to change its format. Right.
2: So
1: it's not necessarily if the official Laravel blog, and only about Laravel is what you're saying.
0: Right. Like like the only thing being on there would be stuff being generated from Laravel.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. So have you guys seen the new pricing structure for GitHub?
2: I haven't seen it, but I've heard a lot of people complaining about it. Yeah. yeah, I was doing the... I,
0: I, I got the email when I was walking the dog, <laughs> as I do, pretty pretty regularly. Is he behind me? Yeah, no, he's not
1: even in there with you today.
0: No, he, he's there. Oh. He's curled up in the bottom oh, back there. He's
1: so hard to see because he's so dark.
0: Yeah. And uh, I saw this email come in about the new pricing structure for GitHub. So I quickly go over there because we pay for uh, GitHub repos. So I quickly go over there and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I emailed John. i like, John... Check this out. Check out this new pricing structure. If I'm doing the math in my head correctly, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> screwed.
2: I hope our status isn't so so teetering on the edge that the pricing structure of GitHub could screw us. <laughs> no, it was
0: just going to be more money. It, it, it,
1: when we switch to that account structure, it will be a significant amount more than what we're paying now. The nice thing is. They aren't forcing you to migrate at this point, so you could stay on whatever structure you're in currently. But if you need more repos, because that's what their structure was basically beforehand, you're paying not per private repo, but for a bundle of them, right? Yeah.
0: So a bucket of repos. Yeah. So
1: if if you grow outside of that, you're going to be forced into the new structure, which is unlimited private repos, which is nice. So. You're you now get unlimited private repos, but you're paying per developer or per user. Right. Which
2: right. is pricey.
1: But that's I mean that's what all of these services are going to is per user in the in that ecosystem.
2: Yeah. Now there yeah. there is Git vault too, which is a host your own solution that You don't need, you yeah. don't need any
1: of those. You could just you could if via SSH have your own server set up. It's it's all the integrations that are sure. involved
0: right, exactly and when we talked about it last week, big bucket and Bucket is definitely a player, and I see this as a huge opportunity for big Bucket to step into the the industry and say, "Hey, yeah, you know what those guys are screwing you here, here's our pricing structure, which is much more accommodating to you know what you guys used to pay i I mean Bitbucket, John and I have talked about it several times in the past, and we've used we him. had we We still have an account on Bitbucket, Yeah, they've got where we've we, got free private repos for well for free some free users. private repos, but no for all users, but the problem with it is you can the amount of people you can have on a team with those private repos is very limited. I think you can only have three people on a team, so it doesn't work for us as a business. As an individual, yes, absolutely if you're an individual you need private repos even if you're working with a couple couple people on that private repo, go to bitbucket. there's no reason not to
1: except for the integrations that we've talked about
0: and they they have, they, they do have integrations but it's just the, the github integrations have seemed to be better well and, let's and just
1: say bitbucket's come a long way in the past couple
0: of years and they're getting I mean and they continue to grow they continue to get yeah. better which is good for everybody. So, we may be looking at Bitbucket again. I don't know. Their their interface,
1: I know, a couple years ago was horrendous. I hated going in there. They did a big update and they were more Git like at that point, with the pull request being a lot easier to to use. So,
0: they're getting there. Yeah. We had this problem with another service. Actually, it involves you, Thomas. You don't even realize it. Oh, Oh, no. What have I done? (laughs) <laughs> you know, we have several social streams we have to manage. We have our user group we manage. We have the you know PHP, the Laravel user groups we manage. We have our company. We have our individual. Uh, we have now PHP Ugly that we manage. And and all these, some of these uh, streams have multiple streams associated with them. So our user group has a Facebook, has a, a Google Plus page, so we've used Hootsuite for that. Yeah. And with you, with you taking over North County, it made sense to bring you into Hootsuite to manage the the oh. queuing up of the tweets. Oh, goody. Well, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I popped on. Because <laughs> Ho- Hootsuite's always been one of those overheads for us. And I've always felt it was super expensive. But it... There's nothing else out there that even even comes close to what Hootsuite offers. So when we when John and I started managing all these accounts, we are like, okay, we're going to bite the bullet because these social streams don't make us money. It's not like we post commercials or anything like that. So this is complete overhead. The Hootsuite is a drain. I mean, that money comes out and it's not coming back. There's no there's no return on investment. And to add you will almost double our bill. Because the their pricing models per user, and it's, it's essentially a hundred bucks a user. I'm like, are you Damn. kidding me? I mean, I, I would almost pay, I would almost rather go back to like the old cell phone days where I had to pay per text message. I'm like, charge me per tweet or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just because we're not a business. I mean, that's a well, we are a business, but we're not using it for the business needs. Like we're not doing marketing. Th- for our business through Hootsuite, we're using it to manage our community social streams. And it's just so expensive. It's like, Oh man,
1: $120 a year. If you pay annually, they don't even tell you what it is. If you pay monthly. Yeah. It's 10.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That would be $10 a month. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so it's tough. Yeah, a lot of these, of these systems go. To, if Slack's the same way, I mean, we pay per user in Slack and Toggle and yeah, all but these for services Slack, are per Slack, user. Slack, we use it very, very heavily for business oh, yeah. business so needs. Slack definitely has a return on investment for us for sure. Yeah,
1: and, I, and I'm fine paying per user on even on Hootsuite. It's just ten dollars a month per user. I mean, that's for post for posting
0: to Twitter. I mean, it's for just, keeping it, API there's not straight, not much functionality really.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm glad, though, that I do have a, a solid monthly price on my, my value of, to the team now. Yeah,
0: 120
2: bucks a Ten, month. Yeah. Or t- 10 bucks a month. 10 yeah. bucks? No, no, we can't. <laughs> we can't swing
1: that. Well, you're, you're forgetting about all the other services. It's just one more service at $10 a month. <laughs> you know,
0: with all this talk about Git, Bitbucket, TweetDeck, or TweetDeck, Uh, hootsuite these are all kind of like workflows right how we do business so what what are some of the workflows that we use that does anybody have any interesting workflows that that works that work for them i know i do i'm using a workflow right now that you guys don't know about you might know about i don't know
2: Uh, that's that is true i can't see your pants so
0: (laughs) so for me there's the obvious stuff, right? As a developer, I'm using Vim or Storm for my development. I'm using Git for, for my uh, storage version control. Um, the the project management kind of, kind of changes from project to project, depending on the client um, and <clears throat> the project I'm working on. But the other tool that I personally can't live without is... To do list, which is a to do a to do to to do list manager. Uh, that's another SaaS solution, and it's one that I pay for. Um, I forget it's pretty cheap, but it is an absolute vital part. And so, even right now, as we speak, every day I look at my calendar and I look at my to do list and to see what I have queued up for that day. And when I go into meetings or when I go into a podcast, I have a specific filter for that podcast that I have items on there that I potentially want to talk about if it ever comes up uh, that you know maybe aren't in the Trello board that that we're using as a group for for our group workflow. So I know to do lists are a big deal, and I I've I've used them all. I was I was a huge user of Remember the Milk. I used Remember the Milk for years and paid for Remember the Milk for years before it became obvious to me that they weren't they weren't maturing their product. Uh, so I tried a couple of that on Mac, Wunderlist is a big one, and Microsoft recently bought Wunderlist. We had somebody who came to our meetups who ran a to-do list uh, SaaS solution, and uh, I used his, and of course that's the one that that's the name that escapes me right now, unfortunately, and and then to do list to doist t o d o i s t is the one I've been currently using. I'm been using it probably for a couple of years now, and it's very easy, very uh, nice. I've wanted to use so Google has a built-in to do list manager in Gmail, and I've always wanted to do that, but again, didn't have the features.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's very basic. It's basically just a a, a list. No. no to f- do,
0: a to-do list. <laughs> but not a very good one. All right. Hold on one second. to To-do. Break up with Tom as a friend. Oh. Okay. Got that. I'll remember that on Monday now. Yeah. What about you guys? Do you guys have anything unique in your workflow you'd like to share?
2: I've started doing the to-do list thing. Um, I've I've had a problem where I'll get tickets... And it's got three things to do in one ticket. And the first thing I look at ends up being a major pain. It takes me hours. I finish it up. I push it out. And I mark the ticket as red. Uh, and and yeah. done. And it's like, I I kept doing this. I kept saying, oh, God, I totally forgot the other two parts of this ticket. Okay, let me reopen the ticket. Let me pull it back in. Let me start doing, you know. Um, so I've started, you know, line item adding checkbox you know, little icons in uh, Jira. You can, you can make little check, uncheck. You can't actually put a checkbox into the the comments or the descriptions, but you can add little emoticons that say checked or unchecked. So I've, I've started doing that for all of my tickets. Um, if I receive something, I break it out into multiple pieces and do them one by one. And that's something you can't
1: do within the ticket system you're using?
2: Uh... I think it's more the fact that we create tickets that have more than one item in the ticket than, than, one item per ticket. Hmm. You know, move move these images here and create a processor to move images in the future.
0: Yeah, I've been guilty of doing that. I, I do that all the time. I lose sight. Uh, speaking of workflows, we had uh, something a challenge that I discovered we were having recently was we have a client that we work with that again they use a project management system that they've been in for years uh, we've been exposed to it for about the last year I mean we've we've been using it and one of the things we've happened is we we had a pretty... we're in the middle of a pretty serious sprint with them where we're trying to get some big deliverables done within a certain amount of time uh, a certain time frame and they'll create tickets that require multiple people to work on the ticket, but only one person can be assigned to the ticket at a time. And the issue is is when that one person is outside of the Diego dev company that John and I run, we, we're losing track of that ticket. So there's a, these tickets are bouncing back to us, because there's there are things on that ticket for us to do, but because it's not assigned to us when we have our little our weekly meetings or actually they're more than weekly meetings we, we we talk on certain projects, especially when we're in sprints almost daily, and when we review the tickets and we pull up all the tickets assigned to our Diego dev group, we're losing visibility to these that have been assigned to somebody else but are coming back to us, yeah, but um, to
1: be fair the the workflow that is usually used with that client is somebody outside of the group creates the ticket, we work it, assign it back to them, so the tickets are often assigned outside of the group. It just affects us when there's pieces of that ticket that we need to work on. And
2: once it's assigned outside of us, we have no, no view to it. Have you guys ever worked with a documented workflow? Something where when you started on a project, they said, this is our workflow, and handed you some kind of instruction sheet? Mm-hmm. No. I, I haven't. I'd, I'd be interested to know if that's a common thing in bigger environments where they, they're offloading and unloading new employees or workers every once in a while. Uh, because it does seem like a lot of the workflows that I use are just sort of ethereal, you know. It's mm-hmm. make sure you mark your tickets and push to get, but nothing really structured beyond that
0: yeah yeah it it seems like it's a space where there's room for still that one knock it out of the park sort of product that kind of takes a different approach but really gels and brings everything together for people how about you john did you have anything you wanted to add about workflows
1: i'm horrible about them
0: you're horrible about them yeah You're a horrible person.
2: (laughs) That has nothing to do with the topic. I'm sorry, that escalated
0: quickly. (laughs) But it's
1: true. So true. I get told that at least once a day.
2: Yeah, having kids is great.
0: I had a cron job set up for that just for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that where those emails come from?
0: We talked about PHP Storm being part of a pretty common workflow for PHP developers. Did you guys see the... uh, security panic alert notification that went out yeah wow. if i not
1: i reacted quickly before reading what it was really about and i uh, told everybody in our slack channel hey if you're using php storm upgrade right away and then did, s- did you really not see it thomas no
0: where where would i see this from you, where? Sh-
1: you oh. should get emails from jet brains
0: <laughs> emails twitter uh blog posts yeah I I saw the email when I first read it. I freaked out. I'm like, oh, let me update right away. Much like John, I didn't bother to really read why the update was there.
1: Before I updated, because shutting down can sometimes be a pain in the ass when I'm in the middle of something, Uh, I then read the email and was like, this isn't that big of a deal, at least for me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't for me either. Yeah, this yeah. is what in reference to the built-in web server. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which
1: it's got to be such a small fraction of their user base that runs
2: that, but obviously somebody does. They they have it and maintain it. I I don't know that it's obvious that someone does because according to this, the error was in any version after December 2012. <laughs> So <laughs> it just be carryover. <laughs> so, I think someone t- someone might have turned on the the web server and said, "Oh, huh, that's weird. This has been here forever." <laughs> well, Let me well see if I can branch on
0: that. Yeah, I, I was about to say. I, I, I gotta be honest. I'm, I I can't even say I I knew for sure that it had a built-in web server. <laughs> yeah,
2: this is this is how they keep people aware of features that they're not using frequently enough. <laughs> it's a,
0: just so everybody knows, in case there's. By chance somebody listening to this that doesn't use PHP Storm but uses another one of JetBrain's uh, IntelliJ IDEs, this was across the platform of all IntelliJ based IDEs from JetBrain. It wasn't specific to PHP Storm. So if you're using the PyCharm or or one of the other ones, you'd want to go out there and update it. It's, it's not
1: a
2: PHP vulnerability. It's a <laughs> that's a
0: good point. Yes, it's not a it's not an issue with PHP. Yeah, th- it's <laughs>
2: Rider and RubyMine and Red Stor- WebStorm, and yeah, they've got a ton of different products that fall under this in- this uh, internal web server built-in thingy. So, yeah, I mean, it's always good to keep updated, but I'm not gonna worry about it. Yeah,
1: we don't we don't use that feature.
2: Also, also if you're running OSX and the IDE doesn't start after installing the update, please refer to this workaround. <laughs> Does it say that? Uh, yeah, at the bottom it says that. <laughs> I gotta read these things
0: before yeah. I apply them. <laughs> so
2: oh, I'm gonna guess that more people seem to have been affected by their IDE not starting after the update than people who were running the internal web server. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. You know, one one step forward, two steps back. That's all. <laughs>
1: So did you see the other news this week about all the drama around PHP Fig?
2: Yeah, it's been exciting to watch that. Wait a minute, what
1: are you talking about? There's drama around PHP Fig? This was the first time I've heard somebody mention PHP drama on Twitter
2: in a long time. Which is nice. It's nice to have you know be out of that loop for a while. <laughs> 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 to, to not be the cause.
0: Well, maybe that's... A- Maybe that's our problem. Maybe we'll get more listeners if we did something so PHP Drama talked about us. Well, I think PHP Drama's been out of the loop for a long time. I don't
1: think
2: they've been tweeting.
0: (laughs) So what's going on with PHP Fig? Well, uh,
2: a bunch of people have dropped out of it. Laravel, Doctrine, and Propel have dropped out of PHP Fig.
0: Wow, that's some pretty big names.
2: Yeah, um... It's a little confusing as to why and how bad it is uh, and the, a lot of the people cause. are saying, yeah well so he, let's, let's take a second hold,
0: hold on for one second. Thomas can you just take one moment and just explain what PHP fig is?
2: Sure PHP fig is is the group of developers who I guess the original intention was to develop standards for interoperability between frameworks. Uh, and that's
0: what that's what the Fig stands for. It's yeah, stands framework around Interoper-
2: PH- interoperability group. Oh, that uh, is perfect. I thought it was short for Fig Newton. No, yeah. no, the PHP Fig Newton is uh, a really terrible meetup. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh,
0: so interoperability group. Yes, framework this is, interoperability group. we got group.
2: PSRs for stuff like uh, PSR four for auto loading directories and uh, PSR six for. Caching interfaces and
0: so some fairly significant modern PHP movements have come out of PHP Fig.
2: Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, Composer stuff has come out of PHP Fig, um, and just sort of functionality that a lot of people rely on nowadays. Uh, the- so this is a
0: pretty, this is pretty serious and scary news. I mean, we, we well, just not- started making. Well, we just started making progress as a community as far as. Everybody agreeing to best practices and how to do things. So, explain to me why this isn't concerning
2: news. A, a lot of the people who are dropping out are basically dropping out because the the amount of noise, the you know, the signal noise coming out of the PHP Fig group is very high. There's a lot of talk constantly, um, a lot of discussions, but uh, a lot of the frameworks, you know, Laravel Doctrine Propel, believe that the framework interoperability has been achieved, that they're kind of done with the project because they've achieved what they set out to uh, Mm. and they don't want the extra chatter in their emails every day. Um, It's, you know, I don't think there's a specific problem with any of the PSRs that have been issued, but they, you know, they're concerned that PSRs are being over specific and they're starting to set standards to things that don't really need standards. The question is, should PHP Fig still continue making standards for things that not everyone agrees needs to be standardized anymore? And well, I, th- I think that there is room to make it not framework-specific as well, because
1: a lot of the PSRs are not
2: framework-specific,
1: or yeah. more general usability,
2: general development. The, the former uh, voting rep that, that quit and recently wrote an article on, on why fig matters... Even though he's left Fig, uh, has has said that the amount of emails, basically about internal policy and bylaws and voting processes and stuff like that, was just way more than anything that was useful. So it's discussed.
0: bureaucracy, right? Uh, it's, it's just getting strangled by team. bureaucracy. Yeah. yeah.
2: Everybody wants to be a part of it and
0: if they can't contribute in some sort of significant manner, they want to micromanage and make these, you know, political or you know, I don't know, policy driven sort of conversations that really don't apply to the overall uh effort of PHP fig. It's yeah, I, I know exactly where this is going. Do we? But we don't think. Um, why are we? Uh, why aren't we concerned about the impact? Because again, they they have made humongous strides over the last few years for exactly what they said: interoperability among frameworks. At Laraville just pulling things out of symphony left and right. Uh, it's I mean, to me, this still seems like a major red flag that we should throw up as a community and, and see if we can't resolve.
2: The red flag is simply about the, the the process. But the people who are pulling out of FIG are not disappearing into the ether. They will still be contributing to projects that create standards and and help developers like PHP CDS. Uh, and you,
0: do you, you think they're going to keep with, with the spirit of what PHP FIG was originally established for as far as they're not going to think about themselves and continue to make it. I mean, you think you, do you think the the exposure has been there enough where they everybody sees the benefit and now they it's it's like a, a a parent with their child. They don't have to sit there and walk them through this anymore because the child understands now why putting your hand in the flame is going to hurt and not to do it. So, you know, people will just automatically be more open to interoperability?
2: Well, I think if you're going to do something new, you still want to join FIG. I mean, PHP FIG hasn't been uh, dissolved in any way. It's simply losing some of its regular contributors, or not even contributors. It's losing some of its regular observers. Mm-hmm. But it does still exist, and it's still recommended to use those rules, even by the people who have left. You know, The people who have left say, yeah... Uh, PSR 4 is fantastic. Use PS, PSR 4. We made it. And we're proud of it. And I'm no longer a part of the committee that resolves things, but it's the thing you use. It's yeah. what we do. And I'm sure they'll still have input. If
1: new PSRs come out uh, before they're made official or accepted, they'll have some sort of input on them. They're just reducing the noise in their email.
2: Yeah, and there is still stuff like the CDS group, the uh, Community Driven Standards team. And they have a different process that's not necessarily better or worse. It's just a different process. Uh, but good things aren't going to stop coming out of the community. The community is going to do fine.
0: Well, that's good to know. I hope you're right on that. And I gotta tell you, I'm a little concerned about PHP Ugly. Because I think this is two shows we've gone now where we've actually talked about all development stuff and I'm going to have to try to find something funny in there to post at the beginning of the show because it's getting harder and harder to do <laughs> we're
1: getting we're getting too serious yeah <laughs> hey.
0: alright I, I forget how we were finishing up we had a good end there for a while so hey thanks for listening I'm John Congan I'm Eric Van Johnson I'm Tom Ryder we'll see you again next week Ah, thank you for listening to the php ugly podcast php ugly can be found on twitter at php ugly you can also follow the host tom rydell on twitter at real rydell john condon on twitter at john and myself Eric van johnson on twitter at showcom that's spelled s-h-o-c-n notes and links from this episode can be found on github at github.com forward slash php ugly forward slash podcast